0: Hi, welcome to the Nine Essential Conditions podcast based on the Nine Essential Conditions in the white paper written by Stephanie Stevens and Dr. Anissa Loki-Vega. In this particular podcast, I'll be discussing all nine essential conditions because I do believe that they all... um, I do have control of all of them on some level in my classroom. And while there are certain barriers, like the Georgia Milestone, which happens to be probably the greatest barrier and the most frequent um, that I see throughout the essential conditions, um, as far as far as the control of my realm is concerned, certainly I do have the autonomy in my classroom to actually implement... Um, nine of these essential conditions. So the first essential condition that I want to discuss is prioritized executive function. And an example of how that would look in my class is um, that I have an introductory unit and the unit itself Focuses on teaching the students how to communicate, how to navigate through the lessons and the modules, how to um, participate in class discussions, how to respond to peer blogs, um, all of the, all of the rules, the expectations, and uh, again, they'll be reminded of those um, in a much shorter format in each individual module, but. There is an introductory module, which has um, pretty much a a checklist for understanding at the end of it. So that way the kids have that power over their own learning because they know the expectations. They know what they're going to need to be doing in order to um, achieve mastery. The next essential condition I would like to talk about is an individual path and I will definitely be doing that in my classroom this semester and implementing it immediately particularly in my ninth grade literature and composition course where the students will be in an online environment in my classroom. I will be there to facilitate the entire 87 minutes, I will be there to conference with students regularly, um, provide various assessments of course so that we can keep them on the right path and we know exactly where they're at, where they need to be um, to be on track, and what I need to do to keep the curriculum fluid for them in such a way that they can attain mastery. The growth mindset essential condition is one of my favorites to talk about because it focuses on what we traditionally call failure, and failure Um, over the course of time, has gotten a really bad rap. It has a very negative connotation. And realistically, students should not be afraid of failure. When we think of failure, though, we think of retention. In the growth mindset, uh, essential condition, with pacing and the ability to revise. um, In the English language arts classroom, for instance, Revisions are really, really important. You know, instead of handing out an A or a B, um, or excuse me, make that an F, a C or an F, and saying, "Well, this is your grade." Instead, we provide speedy feedback, timely feedback, and we tell the we tell students what this is what you need to do to make this paper better, and we talk about it and we provide comments. Um, that will benefit them in the feedback and those are the types of opportunities that help um, create a growth mindset. Um, You know, offering different ways to show mastery um, and progress aside from the old, you know, let's just take a reading quiz to test for comprehension or let's just take this multiple choice unit test. Instead, offering um, different types and I would argue that this course um, has probably taught me a great deal about different examples and ways you can assess students without using the same old traditional factory model unit tests and very base questions. One thing I learned last year um, while I was taking graduate courses at Kennesaw State was how valuable student surveys were. And when students felt like they had a voice in the classroom, it made a huge impact in my class. And then of course, after this course, the personalized learning course, learner voice, is something that I, I plan on really, really digging into this semester. Um, the co-planning with students, open communication. Um, I will mix this segment's learner voice with flexible content because the flexible content can also be co-planned with students. Um, You know, what can you do to show mastery? Um, Things like lit circles. And again, the student surveys themselves um, align themselves with flexible content. The open communication, the idea that there are other means to communicate if students are afraid to walk up to a teacher's desk um, and they don't know how to verbalize what it is they wanna ask, they can do it in different ways. And um, I think it's so important to give students voice because there's a sense of empowerment there, and they want to engage. When they know you're listening to them, they want to engage. So another thing about my online units that I'll be using, um, it's critical to me that I that I am in the classroom. I do plan. On, I guess it should be referred to more as a blended learning experience because I will be in the room and I do want to engage in physical class discussions. That's so important. Um, But the flexible content really coincides with that um, because the students also have to help with that development so that it's successful. But um, some examples of flexible content in my room would be um, using videos, using um, charts, using basic notes, um, different, different things like that to um, provide information to students. Um, also, the flexible content can also include um, how the students respond to that. I will be using a discussion board and a blogging, a reader blog, so that students can blog about um, literature And so it's not boring. And the fact that it's digital makes it more exciting for them because that is their thing. The digitalized world is the world in which they live. And so they're most likely to comply and want to achieve mastery um, if we are letting them do that with the tools that they're most comfortable with. Another essential condition that will be um, very obvious in my classroom are authentic and adaptive assessments. I've already, um, because of my intro to online learning course, I have already created modules that include checklists, polls using Poll Everywhere, um, surveys using Microsoft Forms, There are so many other things you can use, but those types of assessments are important. And just the fact that I have shifted already so many old types of paper quizzes to um, online formats using Microsoft Forms um, was a huge step. And the students are already showing a higher range of of achievement, um, just the last semester alone because they enjoy doing it. When I asked them to, uh, in a paper format, it used to look like a blank spot on the paper. They did not want to write the answer down. But once I transferred those tests to a digital format, those students could type in the answer and um, they put more effort into it. And so it allows me to also gauge how much they really learned, and, you know, what level of mastery they're actually at. It's authentic learning, and so it's really powerful, um, and I'm very excited to be using authentic and adaptive assessments in a much wider range than I ever have. It's about this time when you get into essential conditions 7 and 8, which are dynamic communication and expanded collaboration, respectively. Um, that you begin to realize that the essential conditions really overlap, and um, it's necessary so that nothing is left out. They they all correlate with one another, because um, really, they need to. Um, you can't have, for instance, expanded collaboration if you don't have dynamic communication. You know, those two things, you know, aren't mutually exclusive. So, um, to begin with, dynamic communication um, in my course. As I mentioned previously, there are blogs, class discussions, student-teacher conferences. I'm present in the room um, in the expanded collaboration. You have the flexible content, um, which requires collaboration to begin with. Also the student surveys again, student choice, learner, vo- learner voice. Um, I started using Flipgrids. Um, using Google documents to collaborate in such a way that they're almost like a wiki page. Um, And so those things all contribute to the expanded collaboration and dynamic communication. Finally, I'd like to talk about mastery dispositions because this is the one area that I think I have the least amount of control. Um, The problem with mastery dispositions is that, you know, if I taught in a one-room schoolhouse, ideally students would have the time to move along at a pace um, that was more conducive to their learning and their mastery. Unfortunately, Um, because of, you know, FTE rules and guidelines, you know, you only have 18 weeks, they have to take a Georgia milestone in 9th and 11th grade in English language arts, and so as much as I can focus on mastery disposition by allowing them certain pacings and a variety of assessments and things like that, revisions, um, it still needs to be done in a certain amount of time, and so while I'm doing it within that 18 week period, um, it's one of the reasons I've given my students a reading schedule that is um, not necessarily required, but recommended. I call it a recommended schedule because it will keep them on task. We can't get to week 18 and still have students on the first unit. So, you know, although there is a certain amount of freedom to acquire mastery, certainly the Georgia milestone really um, puts a throws a wrench in this particular condition um, so of all of them that's probably the one I have the least control over, although again, like the others, it is something that I can play around with in my classroom. It is something that i can I can um you know, pinpoint student needs and build on that and help them, you know, acquire that mastery. Uh, It just has to be done in a certain amount of time. So to end, I think I'm very lucky that I am afforded so much autonomy in my classroom. I am a teacher who has been teaching for 16 years. I have shown a a great level of success in uh, as far as the data goes, Um, in the walls of my classroom, the Georgia Milestone, Lexile levels, SRI testing, those types of things. And so they pretty much let me close my door and they trust me to do whatever I need to do to make sure that these kids are successful. And it works and it's working better and better every year. And I'm confident that these nine essential conditions um and the fact that i'll be employing them more fully um, this upcoming school year um, make me feel even more confident about this school year so this class has been extremely relevant to my teaching it will benefit my students a million percent and i'm very excited uh, about tracking all of these essential conditions and thinking of more things that I could do to comply with them.